Hey everyone, this is Dorinda Wilson. Welcome to this week's podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about homeschooling through a crisis. You know, I don't know a single family who doesn't occasionally fall on hard times, whether they be financial, relational, the loss or sickness of a loved one, or some other kind of grief. It can be tempting to want to insulate our children from hard times, but the truth is that trials are a part of life. And it doesn't mean that we need to give up on homeschooling. I'm going to talk about more of this a little further in the podcast, but right now I just want to introduce myself if you don't know me. I'm married to Daryl. We've been married for 28 years. We have eight kids, ages 13 to 26. We have four grandkids, and we have been homeschooling for over 20 years. So um, it's been good. It's been good to be home with our kids all that time. And I, our family has walked through several difficult times throughout the years, and um, I'm going to share some of those on this podcast. But I am excited about talking about how um, it can actually really benefit our families to walk through these things together. For right now, I need to go ahead and let those who are maybe new to the podcast uh, let you know that you can connect with me on Facebook or Instagram. Facebook is Dorenda Wilson, and Instagram is at Dorenda Lee Wilson. Also, you can go to my blog, which is DorendaWilson.com, and I would love for you to go and check out uh, some of the things I've written there. I have several other podcasts. Um, I started this podcast uh, a couple of months ago, and uh, it's just been such a blessing for me, and I'm loving reading the reviews and the ratings and the comments from wherever you all are listening. Some are listening from SoundCloud, iTunes, and some directly uh, from my blog, And uh, you just need to know that I read them all, and often I actually read them twice because they're such an encouragement to me. So thank you for leaving those, and if you would continue to do that, I would really appreciate it. It also helps get the podcast up. in the If it's up in the ratings, then uh, it allows uh, more moms to see it and hopefully be encouraged by it. So... Like I said before, I started out going through my book, The Unhurried Homeschooler, which is, I call it a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling. You know, there's a, there are a lot of great resources out there on homeschooling, but the thing that I was finding was it was overwhelming. Um, even as a mom who's been doing this for a long time, I have a hard time with a lot of information. And, and some people rock at sifting through information and being able to organize it and compile it quickly. I am not one of those people. I get totally overwhelmed. And and then sometimes I feel guilty, like I should be able to do this. And you know, what if I'm missing out on something that's best for my kids? Well, what I have learned over the years is you're not gonna miss out on anything that God has for your family if you just continue to yield to his plan, continue to talk to him about your homeschooling days and what you're doing with your kids. He is so faithful. I have watched him answer so many prayers over the years for what felt like kind of silly things, but God cares. He really does. And he cares about our kids. He cares about our homeschooling. And the thing is that he's right there walking with us. He's God with us to give us that wisdom along the way. And he promised that he would give it to us. 
So I've been going through these chapters one at a time, and as I've been doing that, it's been neat to see how the Lord has really laid more of a devotional on my heart for the moms who uh, are reading through the book or listening to the podcast. And uh, because of that, I've uh, started writing a devotional for homeschooling moms, and it's going really well, and I appreciate your prayers over that. Um, it's I, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be a real encouragement. So I... I've been going through these chapters, but then the last three podcasts, we took a break and talked about anxiety because, well, because I've been dealing with it a ton, and I know that most homeschooling moms, most moms deal with a certain level of anxiety. I think homeschooling moms are in a category all their own. <laughs> um, so I really felt like it was something that I needed to address, that that the Lord was addressing it in my own heart, and that I should share with you the great things that He has been sharing with me. So if you haven't had a chance to go back and listen to those, I would encourage you to do that. But today, we're going to go back to the book. We only have uh, this week and next week, and then I'll be done going through the book. But I know that the Lord has a whole bunch of other things that um, He wants to, I think He wants to me to talk about. And so we'll finish up with this book and we'll move on. But today, we're going to go through the chapter called uh, Homeschooling Through a Crisis. Can you guys hear that bird out there? (laughs) We just moved to North Carolina and I love the birds here. They're just, they are, we have tons of trees, but so many different kinds of birds. So they're all making all kinds of different noises. And um, it's just, I love it. It's great. Sometimes I just sit here and just listen to them and uh, just thoroughly enjoy them. But anyway, back to our chapter. We're going to be talking about homeschooling through a crisis today. So what is the definition of a crisis? Um, the dictionary calls it a time of intense difficulty, trouble, or danger. It, it can be, like I mentioned before, a major sickness. It can be loss of a family member. It can be uh, moving. We just moved across the country five months ago um, and that definitely put my emotions in crisis mode, and I think that's part of the reason I was dealing with a lot of anxiety. We kind of sometimes underestimate those those things, and um, there's a lot that goes on inside of us uh, as we're moving our family and um, and dealing with not only our own emotions but the emotions of our kids and our and our husbands, and so that can be a, a crisis, a, a job loss, uh, or a new job, you know, that's really challenging, um, a, a new baby, any major, any major change, you know, really. Some of us have gone through seasons of really uh, difficult financial hardship, um, sometimes a loss of relationship. It can be, you know, a really good friend, uh, someone who is a, an integral part of our lives who suddenly isn't there anymore because of maybe a, a fallout or a disagreement or whatever. All of these things can um, are crisis related. You know, obviously some are deeper than others, and some are more um, just they, they are crisis like, but they are part of life. And I think that's one thing that we need to remember is that uh, not everything is a crisis. I mean, there. I think, like I said, there are different levels and there's different elements that feel crisis like, but we need to be careful not to magnify something and make it bigger than it really is. And I know, hopefully that doesn't sound harsh or calloused, but I have noticed that um, a lot of of people in, in our culture, because we really haven't faced a lot of the, the real, 
you know, like a lot of a lot of countries are war torn, and they go, they live in constant crisis, and there is tragedy all around them. And we have been fairly insulated from that sort of thing. We we have other things we struggle with, but the bottom line is that I think we have maybe a generation or two with a lot of people who don't understand what is really a crisis and what is not. Just because someone does not see things from my viewpoint, that is not a crisis. That is simply differing views. And so we need to be careful um, because I think that the media sensationalizes things. Facebook does, Instagram does, and we've talked about this with uh, when we talked about anxiety and technology tends to magnify things and and make us feel like something that used to just be considered a part of life is now a crisis. And so we need to make sure that we're not doing that. So we need to pray for wisdom because what happens is we will end up spending emotional energy on something that just really doesn't deserve it. And when we spend it there, we don't have it to spend with our children. And when a crisis really does hit, maybe we're tapped out because we've we've spent that energy. So I remember when our uh, youngest went through a really, we had a couple of crises with him. Uh, one of them was when he was born, he had a major heart defect, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, And I've shared that with you before, but I'm kind of sharing it with you in perspective with this homeschooling through a crisis um, topic. But he also had a situation where he had what's called um, acute ITP. I can't I can't even remember the name. It was really long, but it started out looking like he ha- he may have leukemia or cancer. Um, he had petechia on his belly and legs and we couldn't figure out where it was coming from and um, I had been a nanny for a little girl who had leukemia. so of course, this scared me to no end. You know, this was this would be my worst nightmare, you know, is to have to, especially since this poor kid had already been through open heart surgery as a baby and, and, and barely survived. Um, and now he was 20 months old and we found this petechia. And I just, it was one of the hardest things I've ever been to been through because it was such an unknown, you know, until we we took his blood for several weeks. We wouldn't know whether this was going to be ongoing, what they call chronic ITP, where he would just randomly, his liver would stop producing, uh, I can't remember what, blood cell. (laughs) Yes, people, I am a homeschooling mom and science is not my forte. So (laughs) with that in mind, um, that particular situation really threw me over the edge. Um, Emotionally, it kind of threw me into sort of a PTSD sort of thing. My point is that I was wrought with fear and it felt like a crisis to me and my emotions were telling me it was a crisis because I was revisiting all that we'd been through with this little guy. I had to stop and pay attention to that. But the thing that was really interesting was and what was healing for me was to really sit quietly before the Lord. It was a time in my life when I realized I didn't know how to be still before the Lord. And I started reading some books on being still before the Lord and waiting on Him and just learning to be absolutely silent in His presence. And at first it felt so weird and strange, but it was it turned out to be very healing and something, a discipline that I've actually gone back to many times over the years. And so um, 
my point in all that was I prayed and I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, why? Why did we have to walk through this? Why? Um, we've already been through so much with this guy. What was the point of this? Um, by the way, we did find out eventually that it was just a one-time thing and it never happened again, but I didn't know if it would or wouldn't. And I was grappling with that. And I said, Lord, why did you allow this to happen? What was the point? And I heard him whisper to my heart. He said to me, did I keep you? In other words, did I take care of you? And I said, well, yeah, you did. And, and, then, I, and then he said, did I, did I keep Silas? And I said, yeah, you did. That was it. That was all he gave me was that I needed to just be content with the fact that he took care of us and he walked with us through it. And I didn't need to keep uh, wallowing in it. And I, I don't even know how to describe it, but I just needed to drop it and be okay with the fact that it happened. Life is hard and it's messy sometimes. And sometimes we have to let things go. And so anyway... The bottom line is that our culture is one of the safest in history, right? If you think about the pioneers and other cultures and the Bible times, I'm reading through the Bible right now, and I'm telling you, it the stuff that happened went on and on and on. There was constant invasion of enemies and killing of children and, I mean, horrible things that went on, and that has gone on for centuries, that type of thing, you know, so if you study history at all, um, that's a really good reason to study it, to find out that really we are in one of the safest times ever, you know, in a lot of ways. And so we don't, we, we obviously aren't going to invite uh, crises. We're not going to invite hard times into our families. Life just happens to bring it along and God's timing on all of it is perfect. You have to understand that our God is sovereign and nothing touches us that doesn't pass through his hands first. And when I envision that happening, going through his loving hands first, him allowing us to walk through it, I know that he has a purpose in it. He doesn't do this just to drive us crazy or to make us feel scared or to punish us because, you know, Jesus paid the price. We're not under any kind of punishment anymore. So God isn't punishing us. He is allowing us to walk through it for a reason. So we don't, in, but we don't invite crises in and we do our best to protect our kids from evil like we talked about last week um, when we talk about kids and media and all of that, um, protecting our kids from the media. But the trials that beset us as human, as humans is a very real part of life. Um, but as Christians, we don't have to be afraid. Now, remember, that doesn't mean we aren't going to feel afraid. It's what are we going to do with that feeling of fear? Are we going to trust God? Are we going to turn to Him? Are we going to run to Him and ask Him for wisdom? Are we going to run to Him and find comfort and peace in time of suffering? We can actually walk through this, these, these times with unnatural courage. Because God promised to give us everything we need. Everything. In James 1, 2 through 8, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way. Okay, did you hear that? Any kind come your way. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. 
For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and He will give it to you. He won't rebuke you for asking. You hear that? He's not going to put you down for asking. But when you ask Him, be sure that your faith is in Him alone. Remember in the other podcast, we've talked about running to Egypt for our comfort, running to Egypt for our wisdom, trusting in this world rather than God for our answers. So James is saying, when you ask Him for wisdom, be sure that your faith is in Him alone. Don't waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in all they do. Do you hear that? I can vouch for this. I can attest that this is true. The times that I have found myself the most unstable are the times when I am doubting whether God is in control, whether this wisdom that I asked for, that he would actually give it to me, that maybe I need to run somewhere else. My loyalty is divided and God wants our loyalty and our our, um, faith to be in him alone. And as we do that, he brings us wisdom faithfully along the way. So if you're going through a crisis right now, or even if you're just allowing God to prepare your heart um, to just work in your heart and build your faith. Maybe things are going great right now. That's one thing I learned from that situation that I mentioned before with Silas was we don't know when something is going to come down the pike. We don't know tomorrow if we're going to be faced with a life crisis. So while things are relatively calm, it would behoove us to spend time in the word and to trust him in the small things throughout the day. He said, if you will be faithful in the small things, I will make you ruler over much. So, and I think we can apply that to our faith too. If we take things, and and sometimes everyday life, honestly, is the hardest. It's the hardest place to trust him because it's the everyday where we maybe could pull this off ourselves. But I'm telling you what, when you lose somebody, when we lost our grandson, Um, just before birth. That is not something I could pull off myself. I knew I couldn't walk through that well without him. It was clearly a crisis. It was recognized as a crisis, not only by me, but by everybody around me. And there was passion, there was compassion, and there was uh, margin. I gave myself a wide berth, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But the bottom line is, what I'm saying is that everyday life can be every bit as challenging to trust God in as those big situations, but that's where we practice our faith. So let's be faithful to practice that faith in these smaller areas as we uh, go throughout our homeschooling days. So trusting God with our homeschooling, you know, that's, uh, that's something that can grow us and grow our faith. It absolutely does. I, I don't even have a, a doubt about that. It is a walk of faith. And every time we try to make it something else, We find out that's really not what it is. We can't, you know, we can make the checklist, we can make the plan, but we really have to yield it to the Lord. And we and God is the one that directs our steps. He brings changes along the way that we have to adapt and adjust to. And so let's talk a little bit about homeschooling. We tend to put education in a separate box, trying to quantify it, 
so we can be sure that we're actually doing it, quote unquote. But the reality is that our children's education is mostly fluid. You know, life is, and so is our kids' education. So one time a while back, I was really curious to read. You know, we use that term. We throw that term education around so much. And I thought, you know, I'm going to go read some different definitions. What is education? I ran across the most interesting blog. This lady was a former teacher, and she um, now writes things to just encourage um Kind of just really encourage education outside the box, which, you know, we're homeschooling. That's where we live, right? We live outside the box. But her definition after, you know, after being a teacher for all these years and then uh, realizing that um, she, her gifts and, and the way that she was seeing education to truly be were best used outside of the classroom. And her definition of education was the ability to adapt and adjust to whatever life throws at us. So think about that for a minute. In our homeschooling days, is that what we're, is that a big part of what we're teaching our kids? You know, as we're going through curriculum and maybe the curriculum doesn't work, maybe only parts of it work. And, uh, and we're willing to adapt and adjust to that because we can see that the, the reality of life and we can see the reality of our situation that right now this is what works best and so this is what we're going to do. So we're setting that example to our kids as we're homeschooling every day. And also as Christian parents, we the overarching lesson here is that we want to look at everything through the lens of scripture and our relationship with God. So we're taking that verse that says, um, we make our plans, but God directs our steps, and we're living that out as we adapt and adjust to whatever life throws at us. Isn't that a beautiful picture? And it makes so much sense. It also helps me realize what my responsibility is in homeschooling. It gives me a better perspective on my homeschooling days. The truth is um, that a lot of us are hurrying through our homeschooling days. We are anxious to get through the checklist through the planning, uh, the things we've planned for the day. And like I said, it's good to have a plan, but we need to yield that plan to the Lord. But a lot of us find ourselves hurrying. Come on, we need to get this done because we got to move on to the next thing because we, at the end of the day, want to feel like we did it, right? Hurry can make us forget our God-given purpose. And our God-given purpose is to raise kids who love the Lord, who know Him, and take that relationship and own it themselves and and go out into adulthood and and affect this world for the Lord that they become used by him we are shooting arrows out there that belong to the Lord that is our god-given purpose that's more important than anything else we're doing at home is walking and living out a life of faith with our kids The thing we have to remember is that love does not rush past the hard places because these are the places where God does his deepest work. This is where the action is really going on. You know, it's easy to get distracted and think the action is in the math book and the actions in the language book. And there's some great stuff that happens there. And I think our kids need that basic framework in order to go out and do what God's called them to do. 
But ultimately, we don't want to rush past these hard places, these places where God is doing his deepest work. We need to be careful that we don't run past this work that God's doing and this work that he, um, that he might be giving us, you know. And we uh, sometimes we do that because we have a hurried, narrowed view of what we're supposed to be doing. So let's try to um, just keep, just bear in mind and keep that uh, perspective of uh, that we are raising our kids for the Lord, first of all. So as we walk through these crises, we don't want to hurry past hard places. Um, we don't want to miss the most important life lessons because we're trying to make something happen instead of receiving what God is bringing our way. So when God obviously clearly brings a crisis and he plops it in your lap, He's, he's given you this, this gift. My, my friend called um, losing our, our grandson Isaac a beautiful gift wrapped in a really ugly package. And it was so true. It was, it was hard, but there was so much beauty and God's presence that we experienced that was life-changing for all of us. And uh, I've shared this before, but our 15-year-old just t- told me about a month ago that she really had not experienced um, what it felt like to just literally feel the presence of God until we lost Isaac. That was her first real experience of actually feeling God's presence. And I just think God used that in countless other things, uh, or used that in uh, how may I say this? My words are getting jumbled. Um, use that situation in uh, so many different ways to not just bring glory to his name, but to bless his people. I, I just could go on and on and on, but I'll stop there. But I, I guess my point is, I want you to understand that you can trust God through a crisis, that when he puts that in front of you, he is going to give you everything you need to walk through it. Um, so I shared a little bit about uh, Silas and um, that he had to have open heart surgery as a baby, three days old. He was in the hospital for two months, and uh, we nearly lost him several times. Um, there were complicating things. His heart was fine, but there was a bunch of other things going on, and I won't go into the details, but it was crazy um, and frightening and scary and all those things. Um, but in the meantime, I had seven children at home, ages two to 12. And we were just getting into the homeschooling year. But for us that fall, no schooling went on during that time. If you wanna, you know, if we wanna call schooling, quote unquote, the book work, none of that happened during that time. In fact, school was actually the furthest thing from my mind. With our baby's life hanging in the balance, I could not even think about it. But we had, we had so many precious conversations that happened naturally as our kids were with us. They had the freedom. This was the beauty of, of being a homeschooling family and walking through this crisis, being able to walk through this crisis um, and not sending them to school every day because they had the freedom to process things that were going on in a way that worked for them and when it worked for them. They had no social challenges at, at school 
or expectations at school to deal with on top of the family crisis. They could cry when they needed to without worrying about what anyone else was thinking. So we, we hugged a lot. We cuddled a lot. They learned to comfort each other as well. So they were the relationship between the siblings what, uh, became stronger and more bonded. Essentially, there was a whole lot of learning going on, but it had nothing to do with books. Don't you love that? Um, I just remember how I felt during that time. I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that schoolwork was just not even on the radar because um, it was overwhelming. And uh, we do tend to grieve over the fact that we can't save our kids from pain. But the truth is that these crises are all a part of our life story that God is writing. And God was writing a story for our family. That was part of our family story. And when you start to recognize that, um, it, it helps us let go and realize that we have the freedom to let God um, create this tapestry. Have you ever looked at the back of a tapestry? Um, there's all these threads look really ugly, like they don't belong together and there's you can't really even make out the picture. But when you turn that tapestry over, it is an absolute beautiful piece of artwork. So as you're walking through a crisis, as we're walking through crises, we're not always able to envision what that picture looks like. We, we're walking this walk by faith. And that is what our kids need to see um, and, and experience. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in a few minutes. But I want to um, read to you um, Exodus. Well, I'm going to put the uh, reference in the podcast notes. Exodus 17, 1 through 7. It's the, it's the story of the Israelites um, who just wouldn't... Um, they weren't trusting God. They were in a situation, and instead of choosing to trust him, um, they chose to test him. So this kept them from entering into the rest that God had for them. And don't we do that? We struggle. We struggle and strive. Um, sometimes, I think sometimes that's part of the letting go process while we're um, learning to let go and, and let God do what he's going to do. There is grieving that comes with that, with letting go of what we thought was going to be and being able to embrace what is. And I think that's where the peace comes. But the grieving process is is that is that process. Um, and that's one thing that I learned walking through some of these crises that our family walked through. But we test God when we trust in our own work more than we trust in his. And what we're doing when we do that is we're, we're kind of, we're arguing with God when we struggle and we strive with him instead of resting and trusting. And again, that is a process. It's not something we instantaneously do. We have to ask the Lord to help us to um, take us to that place where we can rest in him. But we're showing our children every single day whether or not God is worthy of our full and complete trust. Is God only a fair weather God? Or is he who he says he is? Hmm. Do they see that he is our provider, protector, redeemer, powerful, mighty, loving, sovereign ruler of the universe, and so much more? 
Have you ever read the names of God? The list is just amazing. If you go through and just read the names of God and who he is, um, he's everything. And I think it's really important for us to remember that as we're walking this out in front of our kids, that's what we're showing them. We're showing them if God is real or not. And we are not going to do that perfectly. None of us does. And that's the beauty of it is we can take those times when we say things we shouldn't have. You know, I remember my husband, he said something um, after uh, after we lost Isaac to the kids. And I mean, it wasn't horrible, but it was it showed a part of his heart that was struggling with trusting God. And the kids noticed it. And he went back and told them, you know, it was wrong for me to say that. I think it was something along the lines of this doesn't happen to our family, right? <laughs> because we do feel like that. Like, why would this happen to us? Why would the Lord allow us to lose our grandson like that? That's just, you know, because basically he had in his mind that, you know, we pictured a grandbaby being here, us holding um, a sweet little baby and our first grandchild and our daughter just being joyful and our son-in-law celebrating with them. And now instead we were grieving and mourning. But, you know, he went back to those kids and he said, you know, it was wrong for me to say that. He said that showed a part of my heart that wasn't trusting God. God has something good for us in all of this and we are going to trust him. And we held on to each other. And that's exactly what we did. We, we learned, we learned to trust him together through all of that. One of the things that I kept praying for as we were um, walking through that and, and through, you know, uh, several of the crises that we've been through is I prayed that God would keep our kids from wrongly interpreting what we were walking through. The enemy He's out there. He's prowling around. And one thing I learned is he does not care if you're grieving. He doesn't care if your children are grieving. He sees us as in a weak, vulnerable vulnerable position. And we need to ask the Lord to protect us and to protect the hearts of our children during that time. I do think there's a grace, like I said, there is a grace during that time. But I do believe we also need to be continuously praying a prayer covering over ourselves and over our children, that they would not wrongly interpret what we're walking through, that they would see God for who he really is. And you know, I didn't even know that that prayer was answered in in one of the ways that it was until a couple months ago when my daughter, when our daughter, 15-year-old daughter said that was the first time she felt his presence. So that looking back was God answering the prayer that I was praying over that throughout that whole situation. But I love what um, the word has to say. God has so much to say about um, who he is and how he will meet our needs and provide for us. But um, one of the verses that I love is Psalm 56, 8, that he says, this is David talking about God. He says, talking to God, he says, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. Our kids need to know that God cares if they're walking through a crisis. He cares and he's there and he's present and he's available and he is wanting to minister to us through it. And he cares about every tear that is shed. Um, Isaiah 43, um, I'm gonna read a few little excerpts from there. It says, but now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says this, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. 
I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Because you are precious to me, you are honored, and I love you. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. And those are the scriptures we read to our kids to bring them comfort. They learn then to to get, to go to God to get comfort. Do you see what's happening there? We take them to the word and we say, this is what God is saying to us as a family as we're walking through this difficult times. As moms, as parents, but especially as moms, I think we really, really want to fix things. We want to make everything okay, and it hurts when we can't. But the truth is that life is messy, and it's hard, and even though we want to spare our children of its pains, we would actually be doing them a disfavor. The very best thing, even though it can be so hard, is to walk through the pain with them, looking and pointing out where we can see God's presence and pointing them back to the cross. Jesus died for all that pain so that we could have eternal life. And forever, which is a really long time, for eternity, there will be no more pain or sorrow. So it's an opportunity to show our kids um, that someday all that pain and sorrow is going to be gone because of what Jesus did on the cross. We can, we can go back to our salvation. You know, I, I found that to be true no matter what difficulty I'm walking through. I can always go back to the fact that my soul is secure for eternity and find joy and peace in that. But for right now, we have God right here with us. You know, when Jesus came, they called him Jesus Emmanuel, which means God with us. He came and he walked this earth and then he died a death that we couldn't die and he rose again and he did it all for us to cover our sins so that we could have full access to him all the time. And I think so many times we forget what a privilege that is. It's easy to see prayer as a burden and I am like right at the top of the list of people who is guilty of that. But the truth is it is such a privilege. We have access directly to the Father who loves us with no sins in the way, no punishment. He's not standing there ready to beat us with a bat. He is waiting. He's ready for us to come to him anytime. He, the scriptures say that he actually bends down to listen to our prayers. Isn't that awesome? And this is what our kids need to know. When we embrace the trials and the grief, you know, they see us as trusting God in our deepest pain. And when we do that, we show them our very real, powerful, and very loving God. One that's accessible. One that that wants relationship with us. And no Sunday school lesson can even come close to conveying a more accurate picture of God than walking through these seasons with our kids. So I'm going to ask you a a sort of a heady question. Do you have 
A Biblical Theology of Suffering. I know theology is a big word, and but really all it means is what we believe to be true about God. So what do you believe to be true about God in the midst of suffering? Do you believe the, the scriptures that I read to you today that he loves us and that he's there with us, that he's always, he never leaves us or forsakes us, that he has good in all these things? Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that God causes everything to work for good to the, those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. That was one of the verses we kept taking our kids back to. We would say it out loud in conversation. We would always go back to that if we didn't, you know, even if we couldn't recite the verse verbatim, they knew uh, we were we were telling them a principle uh, of a verse from the scriptures. And another one we uh, went to a lot was First Peter one six through eight. It said so. It says so. Be truly glad. There's a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. You hear that? Our faith is precious, and God is wanting to refine it. And then it goes on to say, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So what it's saying here is that these trials are not for nothing. There is a purpose and a plan in them. Some of the plan is for now and some of it is for the future and some of it is for eternity. We have to trust God with that and know that it's a good one, that he has good things in it. Um, First Peter goes on to say, you love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. I love that. I know for a, um, from experience that grief comes in waves and sometimes those waves are overwhelming. And yet, you know, and in those waves, you don't necessarily see God, but we trust him. And ultimately, I'm, I was always amazed that he would bring us back to a place of joy after those waves would pass. We can trust him through that. The other verse we would refer to a lot was 1 Thessalonians 4.13. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who, who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. That was one thing that we noticed as we walked through the death of Isaac was that we did grieve. We grieved deeply, but there was always this underlying hope. And that's something that only God can give us. Another verse we would read was Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. Do you hear that? Searching for him and waiting quietly on him is a good thing. So we grieve as those, but not as those who have no hope, right? Our Isaac was safe with Jesus, and he still is. We would talk to our kids about that. We would talk to them about how he was never going to experience pain or suffering. Um, 
We talked about uh, the people we knew, we know that have died and gone to heaven and that they would know him and, and they would spend time with him and he wouldn't be alone. And um, we reminded him, them that it, it was, was actually all much harder for us than it was for Isaac. So these were the kinds of things that we talked about and conveyed to our kids, kids as we were walking through these, um, this crisis. Um, God has so much for us in those situations. There's, a tr- there's just a treasure full of good things that he has for us. And so we just need to pray and ask the Lord to give us the eyes to see it and the ears to hear his voice. I want to talk a little bit uh, as I'm wrapping this up about practical application. You know, as we're homeschooling um, through a crisis, you know, there is that time frame where schooling is just obviously not even on the radar. And that is okay. You have We have to remember that homeschooling is so much more than just this book work what you're doing during that time and what you're experiencing together is is really a work for eternity. And that counts so much more. And God has so many good things in all of it. And it's far more important. So don't be afraid to let that go. But at a certain time for us, we knew that it was time we needed to get back to some sort of skeleton schedule because uh, kids actually do a lot better tend to do better when there's some form of routine. And so we I always found that there was a time when a skeleton routine was definitely something that was going to benefit us. Um, we would just do very basic things, um, still giving ourselves lots of margin. Um, but our kids needed that normalcy uh, of a skeleton schedule along with the space uh, and the time to process um, to process things, like I mentioned earlier, to be able to talk about things or just think and pray, um, to cry, to do whatever they needed to do. But uh, at this point, we added some routine to the day, and that seemed to bring them comfort as well. Um, we would, you know, obviously, I said earlier, pray over the healing process. We need to be patient and understanding um, with that process. It looks different for everybody. And so, but always going back to who God is and the ways that he's present. That's always a safe and good place to go. But like I said before, grief comes in waves and we need to let ourselves experience those waves, but then we also need to let it pass. What One thing we noticed that e- is that each of our kids processed and grieved differently. Some hardly cried at all. Others cried and cried and cried and cried. And um, there was an element of letting that happen naturally, but sometimes there was a point at which my red flag went up in my heart. And um, I would have to say that it was time to move on. We don't want to rush the process, but, but we don't want to stay in a place of grief for too long either because that can, I think, um, actually tear down uh, our faith. And so... Again, this is just something you have to just feel out as the Holy Spirit leads. Just let him lead your heart throughout that process. Um, We need to be okay with silence and long pauses. Um, We just basically need to ask God for wisdom to know that it's time to move forward, even if that just means doing something normal. I'll give you an example. Um, After we lost Isaac, um, we were 
and the memorial service was over and Isaac was um, laid to rest. I stayed for a week or two afterwards to just sort of be with our daughter. Um, one of the things that she did do, and I encouraged her to do, was she went ahead and pumped milk um, for a baby whose uh, mom's milk supply wasn't uh, adequate for that baby. And it gave her a sense of purpose. It gave her a sense of um, that it wasn't being, that this this whole losing Isaac wasn't for nothing. Um, it was a small thing, but it really meant a lot to her to be able to keep pumping and to provide that milk. The other thing that I knew that it would do for her, because I had pumped when Silas was born and had to have his open heart surgery. He couldn't have my breast milk for a while. So I pumped for another little girl who was recovering from heart surgery. So I'd had this experience and I knew that by pumping, um, I was actually giving myself um, a natural anti-anxiety by uh, every time we pump the milk, the oxytocin flows through our bodies. And in so many times when I was pumping, I would just cry and cry and cry. Like that was my letdown. That was my time to just grieve and be able to um, let my body relax throughout that process. And so I encouraged her to go ahead and uh, pump and she wanted to. And so that was really um, a, a, a cool thing to experience um, because I looked back and I realized that that crisis with Silas prepared me to help walk through the crisis with Brittany. Now, granted, I mean, she lost her baby. That is in a whole nother category. But there were things um, that I learned from that experience with Silas that I was able to take with me into that um, journey with Brittany. And it was just a beautiful way to see how God was weaving this beautiful tapestry together through these through these very different crises, but that there was a connection there. I, I hope that you can understand what I'm saying there. There was just, there was like a, a connecting of the dots. There was a fluidity to it that only God can put together. And I just love that. But I want to go back to tell the story really quickly um, about doing something that's normal. I think the pumping kind of fell in that category, but also Brittany had really been looking forward um, since Isaac was going to be born end of September, 1st of October, she looked forward to going to the pumpkin patch with him. And she's a photographer, so she really wanted to take a bunch of pictures of him at the pumpkin patch. Well, here we were, no baby. And so she decided she wanted to go to the pumpkin patch anyway. And she invited her sister-in-law and her niece, who was turning one year old, uh, who actually turned one year old the day that we lost Isaac. And so we went to the pumpkin patch with them and she just took a whole bunch of pictures of Elaine and it was very healing for her. It was it was something that she felt like was something normal, something she had planned to do. The plan looked a little different, but there was some normalcy there. There was an element of ma- uh, that it made her feel grounded. And so there is um so much to that. She wanted to make sugar cookie, cut out sugar cookies. So we got together with um, s- some other people and their children, and we did cookies together. And so there was just this element of um, just being sensitive to 
what that healing process looked like for her and just going with it. And this is where it is so important that we are not in a hurry, that we don't hurry that process, that we don't rush it, that we don't think, oh gosh, we should be done with this by now. We need to follow the Lord's lead in it, just like everything else in our lives. And this is why I'm always going back to slowing down. We need to take the time to slow our hearts down and listen to what the Lord is telling us in this particular season of our lives. So I'm just going to go ahead and pray with you guys. Um, I'm sure some of you are probably walking through a crisis right now, and maybe some of you aren't. Um, Like I said before, now is the time, either way, to go to the Lord and just let him build your faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that when our world is turned upside down, God, you are never changing. That we can count on you like nothing else in this life, Lord. And you said that if we needed wisdom, all we needed to do is ask you and put our faith fully in you, Lord. And so that's what we're going to do right now, whether we're walking through a crisis or whether we're asking you to build our faith in the everyday little things, God. We invite you to come and we ask you to help us to put our full faith and trust in you, God. In the New Testament, there's uh, I remember there's a, a, a man whose daughter was sick and he asked Jesus to heal her. And he said, if you have faith, I will heal her. And his response was beautiful. And I've said this so many times to you, Lord. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. So there's a part of our hearts, Lord, that is believing. But God, those parts that are struggling, we ask that you would come and help us to believe, Lord. Help our unbelief, Father. I just pray that you would give us all the eyes to see. The ears to the eyes to see where you're working, Lord, to see your presence, to remember, to verbalize this, to point it out to our children. Because if we don't say it, they're never gonna know what we're thinking. We're never they're never gonna know where we're seeing you, Lord. And as we're challenged to look for that for our children's sake, Lord, you will build our faith as well. Thank you for these children. Thank you for this opportunity and this privilege that we have to walk this walk with them alongside of us. God, help us to be faithful. Give us your wisdom, Lord. We love you. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. It don't have a job. Don't pay your bills Won't buy you a home In Beverly Hills